All right, we're going to give this a couple of minutes again, give people time to get um, settled in and hopefully get their computers up and running. So I want to say thank you again for tuning in to um, uh, the message that we're bringing today, which you'll remember from last week is a follow-up, uh, part two, uh, on the Church of Philadelphia, the Church of the Open Door. Uh, I want to welcome, uh, so I had some friends from Wyoming, I think some friends from Oregon and Washington that uh, had tuned in to us last week, and uh, a good big shout out to all of our friends and family in that area, uh, South Alabama and other places are going and watching right now, so uh, great, great to be with you this morning, even though we can't be with you in person, it's good to be with you uh, via Facebook, and so uh, grateful for that. Um, one of the things I wanted to stress this morning, however, is this, you know, uh, I've had some folks say, man, this ought to be the thing that will drive people to the church um, once this, this uh, scenario is over with. Uh, I want to encourage you, and I hope that that is the case, but it's also it would be very easy for folks just to say, hey, man, it's so easy just to sit in the living room. I can, I can drink coffee in my slippers and, and, and hear a message. Let me just just affirm something for you before we get into this this morning's message that church is not sitting at home watching a video church is when god's people those who are called out by his glorious grace come together and collectively worship him in a setting that we have a, a building so i want to encourage you that once this is over don't uh, don't sit at home uh, come and rejoice and be a part of collectively worshiping the Lord. That is where we have church because it is the fellowship, it is the communion of the saints uh, coming together. So with that said, we're going to jump into our message this morning and we'll open up with a prayer and then we'll uh, just do a real quick recap of where we were at and then we'll, we'll uh, jump into uh, where we left off last week. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, O oh God, for <clears throat> all that you have given us. Lord, and, and as your word declares that um, we who deserve the least of your mercies, uh, that you just continue to be merciful to us. We would pray this morning, God, that uh, even if we are in our homes, uh, Lord, or in the car or wherever it is this morning, God, that you would take your word and by your Spirit, Lord, make it alive to us that we may be changed, uh, that we may trust you, that we may worship you and glorify you and honor you in what we do this morning. We love you, and we know that we love you because you have first loved us. Thank you so much for your grace again, and we pray your great blessing upon your word this morning. Transform us by the renewing of our minds, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you'll remember that we were in Revelation chapter 3, and we were taking our text from verses 7 through 13. It is the church of the open door. Uh, this is a church that received no condemnation, no correction from the Lord. Uh, the only other church that was like that was the church of Smyrna, the church that was crushed, the persecuted church. This is the church of the open door. This is the church of an evangelistic heart uh, that was going to reach people uh, for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll remember from our last week's message that we were introduced to Jesus by being um, 
the one who is holy. That's a reference to the Old Testament that he was God. Uh, he calls himself holy. He not only said he was holy, but he said he was the one who was true. Listen, there are a lot of things going on in this world, but there is one thing that we can absolutely trust in, and that is the truth that Jesus Christ is absolute, infallible, completely and perfectly trustworthy in what he says. Then we saw that not only was he truth, but we saw that he has the key of David, another Old Testament reference to the messianic title of the Lord. <clears throat> he is the one who grants access into the king, and of course he is the king of kings. But the idea behind that is that Christ is the one uh, who offers salvation, and we know that the scriptures further tell us that there is no salvation found in any other name other than the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who holds the key to eternity uh, for both heaven and hell. Uh, he is the one that we further learn. He is the one that uh, opens and shuts. Uh, what he opens, no man can shut, and what he shuts, no man can open. That is an interesting thought to where we're at right now in our study because when the Lord says he opens the door, I look at this that we're going through with this COVID-19 as an open door for us as Christians, that we have a message that we can share and we can proclaim to the world and say, listen, Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life, and no man is going to come to the Father except through Him. That needs to be the message. It's an eternal message. And ultimately, that's what we're after. We're, we're, we're taking a message because men's and, and women's souls are at stake for eternity. So we see who Christ is. He is the Holy One. He is the True One. He is the One who holds the key of David. He is the One who opens and shuts doors. And then we got into verse uh, 8 last week, and let me pick us up there. Revelation chapter uh, 3, uh, verse 8, or pardon me, uh, starting in verse, uh, let me, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, verse 8. Um, it says this, that, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. As we went into our second point, and our second point is this, is what was written? What was written to the church? And what did Jesus say that was the message to this church in particular? Well, we're able to determine why they received no correction or rebuke by the Lord, by what he tells them. And he says that I know your works. As in each of the previous letters that the Lord gave, he said that he knows their works. And again, let me just go back for the sake of those who may have not been listening in on the sermons up to this point, that Jesus always says he knows their works. He knows whether they're good he knows whether they're bad. In the case of this church, it was obviously good because there is no uh, correction for them. But I want to emphasize to us, listen, that Jesus Christ is infinitely aware. He is omniscient. He is God. Therefore, he knows every thought, every word, every action. He knows everything about us, and he knows that about the church. And he comes to this church really with words of comfort by saying, I know your works. Now, he says that we will find in this that he has set an open door 
before them. Now, when he says he sets an open door before them, remember that anything that Christ opens, no man can shut. I think that that ought to be tremendous encouragement for us as a church because when the Lord opens a door of opportunity, when the Lord opens up for us salvation, when the Lord opens up for us riches that come from heaven, there is no one who can shut that door other than the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says, I have opened up this door for them. Why? Well, first of all, let me just say this, that they were not a prominent church, but they were a powerful church. Why is that? Well, because they were faithful to the Word of God. And you say, well, where do you get it that they were not a prominent church? When we look at the Scripture there in verse 8, it says that, uh, I know your works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. And it says, for thou hast a little strength. That doesn't mean that they were a weak church. It just means that they were not a big church. And to me, that's an encouraging thing because a church doesn't have to be a mega church to be a church that is pleasing to the Lord. A church doesn't have to be a church that is just uh, constantly thriving with busyness in order to be a church that pleases the Lord. He says, I know that you're a small church, but he says, I have set an open door before you. As a matter of fact, I think as we move into more of an apostate time for churches, that we see that the megachurches, not all megachurches are bad by any means. And, and certainly not all small churches are pleasing to the Lord. But what this church had going for them is that Christ had set an open door before them despite the fact that they were a small congregation. I think that that ought to give encouragement to any uh, smaller congregation out there. I think it ought to be a, a, an encouragement to churches that have large congregations out there that Christ takes note of those who are being obedient to him and that he sets before them an open door. Well, he sets this open door before them, and, and again, the question is, why did he give them this open door even though that they're a, a small church? Well, I believe it's because they were faithful to respond to the open doors that Christ had put before them. We should never expect to, to be able to get more uh, if we're not willing to do what Christ has already given us to do. In, in other words, don't expect to have great things happen if you're not willing to be faithful in the little things that Christ has already given us to do. Well, Christ sets this open door before the church. This, this small church, uh, not, a, not a great church. We need to understand, too, that just like all the other churches, they faced persecution. Uh, they were a church that were uh, discriminated against because they proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ. We, as a church, I believe, and this would be all of us that are listening this morning, whether you're in Wyoming, Oregon, Washington, Alabama, Georgia, wherever you are at this morning here in this message, and in particular, I would say for our church here at Westside Baptist Church, you and I need to be praying for opportunities of service. We need to be praying for opportunities of evangelism. We need to be praying for opportunities of missions and for the doors that the Lord would open up the, the minds and hearts of people that we come in contact with. I, I was sitting and, and have, had a couple of discussions with folks 
uh, concerning saying, everybody is saying, I just can't wait till when we get back to normal. Folks, I don't want to go back to normal. I don't want to go back to the way that it was. I pray that for the church of Jesus Christ that there is an urgency within the body of Christ to understand that we are working on a timeline and each and every day that goes by we are getting closer to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is imperative that you and I understand that. I thank God for the fact of this, this uh, uh, lockdown that we've been in because it ought to really uh, show us uh, how close I believe uh, that we are. The church needs to get back to, uh, to living in a way that, uh, that we believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ, that He could come at any moment. And if he's going to come at any moment, then you and I need to be praying and seeking and following up on the doors of opportunity that he lays for us. We also need to know this, that with every door of opportunity that opens, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9, that there are adversaries. The gospel is never easy it's going to come with those who will fight against it. And sometimes those who we would never suspect would fight against it. Again, as I look at the way things are going in this day, it's an amazing thing to me. And I was sitting and visiting with, with Jay and Wendy earlier about this, that, that um, if we really had any doubt in our mind when the lord jesus christ would tell churches he says if you don't repent i will come and shut you down if you don't repent i will remove you your candlestick from its place and folks would say well how can that be how does that work well all you have to do is take a look around you that in in a just a matter of a few weeks churches across america are shut down now am i implying that that the lord has come to remove the candlestick no i'm just saying that this should be a wake-up call to show you how quickly that can happen the other thing that i would say on that and and i think is this it is amazing to me and i hope it's a, an eye-opener for you to see how quickly that out of fear that people simply just comply with what's going on. And I am, again, by no means suggesting that you go out and be disobedient. I think we need to follow the guidelines that, that our state and federal government have laid out for us. But what I'm saying is, is that as we read through the book of Revelation, as we look for the things that are coming and the control of a one-world government, it shouldn't be very hard for us to understand how quickly this can be accomplished. It's an amazing thought. But before this church, there was an open door. And I believe that when we come back together, I believe even right now that it ought to be up to us to be in a time of prayer, asking God to open doors of opportunities for us. That is why the Lord was pleased with them. That is why he had no condemnation for them. Well, why had Christ put an open door before them? The, the key to that is just found in what the Scripture says. If we read again in verse 8, he says, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door. No man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength. Here's why he put that open door before them. Because you have kept my word, and you have not denied my name. Because you have kept my word. In a world that is constantly pressured, 
and pressuring the church to compromise what the Word of God says. This church had proved themselves to be faithful to His Word. And, and folks, I'm telling you, we're, we're living in a day and an era where there is constant pressure on the church to compromise what Jesus Christ says. That His, his Word it, it should be preeminent when we were, we were preaching. Again, I was talking this morning and saying that, that there are only 2%, listen, only 2% of the churches in America will preach on prophecy. That means 98% of the churches are not preaching on prophecy. 98% of the churches, I won't say 98% of the churches, but a great majority of the churches are, are, are teaching lessons on how you can have a better family, how you can have a better life, how you can improve yourself in this way and that way. Listen, what we need to be focused on is on the person of Jesus Christ and His Word. And we need to preach the entirety of the Word, not select portions of the Word. And I believe that we need to be teaching a lot on prophecy because I believe that if we're not there, folks, we're certainly in the shadow of these last days the Bible speaks of. Now, so this was a church that kept His Word. They were faithful to it. This means that they not only spoke the Word, but they lived out the Word. In other words, they were obedient to what the Word of God said. The genuineness of a believer, of a true believer, is fleshed out in their day-to-day -day life. John 14 and verses 23 and then in 15 and 4 all clarify this, that those who patiently endure in the word are true believers those who continue to live out what the word says to faithfully hold on and to proclaim the name of christ what we do as we face these challenges it is a time to proclaim the gospel the gospel message loud and clear that's what we need to be doing I had the opportunity, even, even in this lockdown-type situation or keeping my social distance, just to be able to sit down and, and, and share the Word with, with, a, with a brother this week to encourage him on the things that are going to transpire in the future. It's not a question of if they're going to happen. It's the question of when they are going to happen. When we look at verse 10 of this chapter, it says, further explaining why he had put these doors before them, these open doors, he said, because thou hast kept the word of my patience. That he had, he had opened doors for them because they were faithful to his word, they were faithful to his name, and they did not deny his name. If you've held fast to the truth that I am God in the flesh, that, he says that's, that's the case. You know, there are a lot of people who agree about Jesus Christ, but what is sad today is there are a great many seminaries and a great many pulpits that are silent on the fact of who Jesus Christ is. That Jesus Christ is just not a good teacher. Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh. And, and the Bible is very clear that if you deny that, then, then you're really not a believer. 
there is pressure in this world more and more to say that that listen all ways lead to heaven always don't lead to heaven <clears throat> that is a lie and we as a church just like the church of philadelphia need to be a church that will do not deny the name of the lord jesus christ now let me just in, just challenge you on this as well it is all well and good to say you're a christian but are you living out the life? Are you ashamed of the gospel? Are you ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ? Brothers and sisters, this is not a time to, to withdraw from the fact and to live boldly in this world for the name of Christ. It is a time to step up to that call. And as we study through the book of Revelation, listen, it should make you rejoice that the church will not be here during that time of testing but it ought also to encourage us to go out and as warn as many people to take the message of Jesus Christ to them. This church did not deny his name. This church would not compromise that he was the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to enter the kingdom. He's the key holder except through Christ. This church believed and took their ambassadorship seriously they knew that their purpose in this world was to represent jesus christ as messiah and king i want to back up and just hit on something that i just said they took their ambassadorship seriously you see for us as christians when we become followers of jesus christ our citizenship is changed our citizenship is now in heaven. That is our home. You and I are sojourners. We are passing through this world. And as you get gray like me, you realize that that time passes oh so quickly. It is time for the church of Jesus Christ to take seriously their ambassadorship how are you representing the king of whom you serve in a world in which you live this church understood and took that seriously they did not deny his name they did live his life they were pure they were holy not perfect but they were obedient to seek those things out for the church that does this he gives a promise. And we'll back up and let me read the scriptures again. Verse 9 says, Behold, I make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Talking about the synagogue of Satan there. What, what in the world is that? What is, what is the Lord saying well, there are a couple of schools of thought on what this means. It could mean that there were Jews persecuting the church, and we know that that was normally the case, that there were those who persecuted the church. Paul makes it clear that a Jew is not one who is one simply by outward appearance, but that it is really an issue of the heart. Romans chapter 2 and verses 28 and 29 discuss that, and I would encourage you to look that up. There is a second potential that is meant here as well. And I think it's especially true in our day that those who deny that Israel has any place in God's economy, 
There are those who believe that the church has taken the place of Israel. Folks, I'm going to tell you what, that's not the case. The church is this parenthesis. The church is, a, is, a, is going to be taken out, and once that happens, then Israel becomes prominent again. It is a dangerous place to claim all the promises of the Jewish people. As a matter of fact, talking to some of our messianic friends who say that even in the church in America, there is anti-Semitism rising up in the church in America. Uh, that is an alarming thing for me. Be careful. Be careful on that. Now, the good news is, is when the Lord says He will take that group of people and that there is going to come a time that they will come and it says, and worship. That's not talking about worshiping us. It is talking about worshiping the Lord. They will see that Jesus Christ is who He says He is, and they will come and worship. They will, as, as the Scripture says, that they will recognize whom they have pierced, and they will worship Him for who He is in truth. Well, not only does he make that promise, but let me get on to one that I think should definitely really inspire all of us. Again, in verse um, 10, it says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. The church is going to be kept from the trial to come. I believe that this is a direct reference to the rapture of the church. That church that is faithful, that church that is true, that church that is real and is not a, a phony church. That church is going to be kept from the trial to come. That it is will not go through the tribulation, but will be kept from it. And you say, well, how, how do you get that? Well, there are a couple of things that would lend us to see this. And I know that there are those who deny that the church is going to uh, escape the tribulation. Well, when we get to heaven, then I can just tell you I told you so. Really, the Word tells us that. But when we look at the Scriptures here, it says, the Lord speaking... He uses a definite articles. And, and you'll look, and in, in depending on what version you have of the Scriptures in front of you, but verse 10, it says that I will also keep you from the hour. In other words, there is a specific time coming on this world that God is going to bring tribulation, that He is going to bring a testing on the world. And, and not only is, and it's missing in most of the translations to include the King James here, that, that the definite article that says in verse 10, it says, I will keep them, um, I will also keep thee from the hour, and what is missing here, of the temptation. Not just, uh, not just a, a temptation, or not just a, a time of testing, but the, the actual time of tribulation, a specific time and a specific testing that he speaks of there. And then the other part is, is, is the word that we get the word removed. He says, I'm not going to keep you through this time of the temptation or the testing. He says, I am going to take you out of it. 
Now, this shouldn't be foreign to us because we see that throughout the rest of Scripture. We see it in the Old Testament, for instance, in the ark. For those who entered into the, to the ark, they were taken out of the, that tribulation and temptation. There is coming a time, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, now listen, that the church is called up, taken out of. I believe that these are all speaking toward the rapture of the church that is coming. And what is the purpose of that coming? Well, during the tribulation, there are going to be many who come to Christ that will give their lives for the testimony of Jesus Christ, but that will be after the church has been taken out. It is going to be a horrible time. And again, I want to encourage you as believers to understand this, that you and I are not going to be here for that terrible time of testing for the whole world. Let me give you a couple more key points, and we'll, we'll discuss these more and more as we go through the book of Revelation. And again, in verse 10, it says that it shall come upon all the world, those who dwell on the earth. There is a definite separation between those who are in love with the world, who, who focus all of their energies toward the world, and the believer. I've talked about how that they're separated uh, they have their citizenship in heaven. The trial is coming for the earth dwellers, those who are in love with the earth. What is the trial coming for? What is the testing there for? It is to get them to turn to Jesus Christ. Now, we'll discover that the greater majority don't, but we also will discover there are a great many of people who come to place their faith in Christ during that tribulation period. But here, the Lord makes a promise. He says, because you have been faithful to me, because you have kept my word, because you have not denied my name, I will keep you from the hour of the temptation. I will keep you out of that, that time that is coming upon the entire world, not just a segment, but the entirety so, it is another reason that we see that the church has already been removed from the time of the testing of the whole earth. By the way, you will note when we finish up chapter 3 in the next few weeks, that once we, we get past chapter 3, then we're really not seeing the church spoken of again. The church is gone. Well, why is that? Because I believe that's exactly what the scripture says here that we have been taken out of that time of testing. It's that time I said to try the earth dwellers, those who are focused on the earth and its ways. We also need to see that it's not a regional thing, but it comes upon the whole earth. Well, he makes another promise to them, and we find that um, in verse 11 on down. Let me read a few scriptures to you. Behold, I come quickly, hold fast, that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches." You're going to be made a pillar in the temple of my God. What's that about? 
Well, it represents permanence. The area of Philadelphia was known for earthquakes. If you had pillars there, it showed stability. It showed a, a permanence. And, and the Lord is speaking directly to this people and the way that they would understand and saying, listen, you're going to be made a pillar. You know, it's not, uh, we, we use terms like today, well, he is a, a pillar of society. In other words, he is stable. He is secure. Folks, the promise is that when the Lord comes and takes us, and I talked about this last week, you're either going to leave this place by the vehicle of death, if you're a Christian, or the vehicle of the rapture. One of the two ways we're, we're, we're going to leave. This world is not for us. And he promises for this church, he says, because of your faithfulness, your faithfulness to the word, your faithfulness to my name, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. They were also, as a pillar, a picture of honor. To have one's name placed on a pillar was a position of honor. Think about that. I mean, the joy of knowing that God is going to make you a pillar, a name on that pillar, a place of honor, I mean, that's an amazing thing. We who deserve the least of His mercies, he declares these great promises to us. Those that overcome have a place of permanence and honor in the kingdom of God. You will no, not go out, it says. It indicates the security of heaven. Nothing will ever shake it. Nothing will ever topple it. Once you're there, you're there, you're secure. He goes on to say, you will have a new name of God written on you. This is a picture that the overcomer belongs to God. It is intimate in nature that we will have with him fellowship for all eternity. We will have citizenship in heaven. We will see Christ in all of His splendor and glory that is His in heaven. And we will use His new name. We'll be able to call on Him a new name. Folks, I, I'm going to tell you, as, as we just look at this world, I, I hope that this little pandemic <laughs> has helped us to see that life is fleeting Life as we know it can change literally overnight. Your trust needs to be in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture says, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but as for us, we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Where's your trust at today? Are you leaning to him? Are you counting on the promises that he has laid out for the faithful church? What's our response? What, what should we respond in all of this? How should we look to this and say, Lord, how did he tell the church to respond and how should we today as Christians respond to this? Well, I think verse 11 gives us the answer. Verse 11 says, Behold, I come quickly or I come suddenly. Hold that which is fast, which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Hold on to what you have. Don't it let anyone take 
from you what you have. Listen, as a Christian today, can I tell you, hold on to the faith that Jesus has granted you. Hold on to that which you have. Listen, don't let the, the circumstances that are going around us in this world distract away from who Jesus Christ is and who you are in Christ. We can't lose our salvation. We cannot lose that reward that we already have there, but I will tell you this, folks, you can lose rewards in heaven. You say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor. How can that happen? Well, here's how it happens. Every day, you and I have opportunity to store up for ourselves things in heaven. And if we become so focused on the things of this world that we begin to back away from following Christ with an intensity, and we don't follow through on the open doors of evangelism and ambassadorship that the Lord gives us, then there is a great possibility to lose future reward. Don't give up on those things. Honor Christ with your life. Live for Him. Live in obedience. Live proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. The church of the open door, the church of Philadelphia, was that church. I want to close out this morning with uh, something that Wendy and Jay showed me. Uh, I think it sets the stage. I, I mean, if, if this doesn't grab your attention and understand that how quickly things can change, then I, I hope that you will at least contemplate it some. some. It's, uh, it's an old uh, gospel tune by the Gaithers. Um, let me just read the words to you. I won't read them all, but I'll read, I'll read these because I think it ought to hit us. Yesterday, Saturday, at 5 o'clock, the governor of Alabama issued an order that everybody was to stay at home unless it's absolutely necessary. Okay? Here are the words. The marketplace is empty. No more traffic in the streets. All the tools, all the builders' tools are silent. No more time to harvest wheat. Busy housewives cease their labors. In courtroom, no debate. Work on earth is suspended as the king comes through the gate. You think about that. Does that kind of describe where we're at today? Streets are empty. Workplaces are being told to shut down. Courts aren't in session. Folks, now, am I saying that, that uh, right now is the day? I don't know. <laughs> The fact of the matter is, the Bible says that the return of Christ is imminent. In other words, Jesus Christ can come today. The question is, will you be ready? The question is, do you know him as king? You see, the Bible makes it very clear that outside of Jesus Christ, you are an enemy of God. You're an enemy of God because you've broken His commandments. You have broken His law. But the good news is, is that Jesus Christ came and fulfilled the law and He died for you and for your sins that if you will trust in the absolute finished work of Christ that He would grant salvation to you. But it must be a total reliance. You must cast yourself on the mercies of God.
and cry out to him for mercy and saying, have mercy, O God, save me. And not only to save you, but as I shared with somebody this week, that then you are to follow him. Not just cry out because you don't want to go to hell, but to cry out because you don't, you don't want to suffer the consequences of your sin. You want to be saved, given eternal life, but also to serve this great and kind master, Jesus Christ. I would encourage you today, before it is too late, to turn to Christ if you have questions, you can get a hold of us, you know, here at Westside Baptist Church. Send us questions. We'll answer them the best we can. If you have prayer requests, let us know. We'd, we'd love to be praying for you right now. But for the child of God, oh, listen, rejoice. This too shall pass. We're going to be past this, and we're looking at the most glorious days of head because our king is coming let's pray father we thank you for this day that you have given us thank you for another opportunity to speak your word pray god that you would take it that you would quicken it to us god that we would meditate on these things worship you for being our great king our savior lord thank you that you are a messiah even so, we would pray, join with John. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.